He's working, amen. You have your Bibles this morning. We want to begin in the book of Proverbs. We want to look at the 29th chapter this morning, the book of Proverbs. I'll ask you to stand to your feet. Reverence for the reading of God's precious word. Proverbs 29, we want to look this morning at one verse. Verse number 18, Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. God's burdened my heart with this verse of scripture. I want to preach this morning on this thought. A fresh vision. A fresh vision. Father, would you help us this morning? God, as we try to stand and preach the word of God. Father, you've worked this into my heart. You've squeezed this into my life. I pray, God, you'd fill us now with your spirit. God, cleanse us of our sins. Cleanse us of ourselves and help us, God, to be filled with the spirit. God, to preach what you've laid on our heart. Thank you for everyone present. For everyone who's participated in the service today. God. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would grant unto us a fresh vision. Help us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Many, many years ago, I believe that Christopher Columbus stood before King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella and he said, O King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, live forever. I request that you grant us ships and monies that we may go out and discover and claim new lands for your, our nation and that we would spread Christianity around the world. But his royal cabinet laughed at him and said, The world is flat, it's not round. This will never work. It's certain death to everyone. What a terrible investment. But finally, King Ferdinand, Queen Isabella said, the mission is granted. And gave him three ships, the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria, and they set sail. Weeks, months, no land. The th crew threatened mutiny. Said, we're turning around. Nothing's happening. And Columbus said, Give me three more days. And if nothing in three days, we'll turn. On day one in the ship's log, it says, Today we saw no land, but we sailed on. Day two, today, nothing, but we sailed on. On day three, land ho has been discovered, and God has granted our way. May I say this morning, you and I need to have a proper view of God's Word. There will be days in our lives that you feel like I've got nothing, but I sail on. I don't see any hope on the horizon, but I sail on. And there will be that day that that answer has come from glory. And you're able to say, praise His holy name. Thank God we stayed the course. Amen. We need a proper revelation. We need a proper understanding of the Word of God. Do not be callous. Do not be unconcerned this morning. I'm asking you 
Do not be without a vision. Do not be without an understanding. All through the Word of God, God spoke to His men through vision. And they acted on that vision. And it changed lives all around the world. Many years ago, there was a church. They had a sign up over their choir loft. And it said, where there is no vision, the people perish. But yet the church got into an argument as they were getting ready to uh, do a new revamp of the church as to what color carpet. Then they got into it over what color the roof. And they had to put one color on one side and a different color on the other because they're arguing and fussing. And finally the friction and the fussing and the fighting got so bad that they had to split up the church and they shut the doors of the church. Years later, someone looked through a broken window pane inside of the old choir loft and the W had fallen off the sign. And no longer did it say where there is no vision. Now it read here there is no vision and the people perish. What happens when a church loses vision is it loses victory. And when it loses victory... It loses its voice. We cannot afford to lose the penetrating, powerful, persuasive voice of the Almighty. If we're going to reach people, we've got to have victory. And if we're going to have victory, we've got to have a vision. Friends, we'll say this to you. If you've not sold, if you're not sold on what you've got, how are you going to encourage other people to get it? How can you tell them they need joy when you have no joy? How can you tell them they need peace when you have no peace? I was in a revival meeting and a man stood up and talked about sin and talked about sin and talked about sin. And at the end of the service, a sinner came forward. And the man, the very man came down and I heard him say, Son, what you need is you need to be saved. He said, Sir, like you, I've got enough problems already. Why do I need more? We need to be sold on what we've got, amen? We've got Jesus. And we need to tell the world they need Jesus as well. There are three things I think that God has burdened my heart with. I mean three major things. Number one, we need a vision of Him. We need a vision of Jesus. I have a friend of mine. Pastor, his son died, and his heart was so broken. I did the funeral. I'm telling you, at that funeral with a broken heart, the mother sat there, and the daddy, he worshiped, but the mother said, God is good, but he's not good to me. And months passed, and a year passed. She quit singing in the choir. She became hit or miss for the church services. She began to get wayward and distant. And the husband, the pastor, his heart was broke. His wife, who used to sing all over the house, is not singing anymore. And then finally, one day he came in and he heard her singing, cleaning in the back of the house. He fell on his knees at the sofa and began to weep his way to God and said, Thank you, God. I don't know what you've done, but it's so good to hear my wife singing your praises again. In a little while, when he finally got brave enough, he went back and said, Honey, it's good to hear you singing. She said, Thank you. She was weeping. He said, what is it? What's going on? 
She said, today I got to the place that I needed Jesus more than I needed our boy. And I'm telling you today, I don't care what you've gone through. You need to get in the place where you see Jesus and his suffering and what he went through is greater than what you're enduring. Mary was at the foot of the cross when she saw Jesus there. She was in a place where she could see that he saw her. She was in a place where she could hear him speak to her. Honey, you've got to get a vision of him. You've got to realize his suffering and his anguish and his grief and his sorrow and his blood and his pain and his life that he gave. He gave for you. We need to get back to the point to see his, his love. And we need to see his suffering and his mercy. And we need to see his coming one day. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Oh God, refresh our memory. Oh God, refresh our vision of a Jesus that loved us enough to give his life that we might be saved. We need a fresh glimpse of him. You may say, Preacher Darren, I never saw him. Honey, I did by the eyes of faith. I've seen his work through the lattice work of eternity. I've seen him moving. I see where he's been, amen. I can tell where he's at, thank God for it. Jesus takes our burdens and he lightens them. He takes our battles and he makes them seem smaller. He takes our blessings and he makes them seem greater. We need a fresh vision of him. Number two, in the book of Luke, or excuse me, the book of John, chapter 4 and verse number 35, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Number two, we need a vision of the harvest. John 4, 35, lift up your eyes. And behold the fields, for they are white already to the harvest. Preacher Darren, what does that mean? You need a vision. You need to be stirred to get involved in what God is doing. We need a vision that the world is dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. I look up the statistics on the world meter. Did you know that right now there are eight million, excuse me, eight billion people alive on planet earth today did you know there are 6,900 plus known languages on planet earth and take your bible did you know that your bible maybe the new testament for instance the new testament there are 6 billion copies distributed or sold in the world today 6 billion Wow, 100 million copies printed last year. But there are 8 billion people alive and 6 billion copies and you've got about 3 or 4 or 10 at your house right now. And there are billions of people that don't have a Bible. There are billions of people that have never heard the gospel. The Bible has been translated New Testament wise into 2,900 languages. But there are 6,900. Honey, the world needs to hear about Jesus. Preacher Darren, do you think half the world, three-fourths of the world has heard? 
I'm concerned that spruce pine's not heard. I can tell you sometime back of preaching and a lady came forward and she said, I've never heard of this Jesus. And there was a lady in the school line picking up her children at school that saw me crying and came over and talked to me and told me that I need to go hear you preach and you could give me hope. And you've told me about Jesus. And Jesus has given me that hope. I need to be saved. And she got saved. Her husband got saved. Her four children got saved. One of them became a preacher. You know what she told me? She said, I live right here and we don't even have a Bible. Not one Bible in our home. Nobody till that lady in the school line ever told me about Jesus. I had never heard his name. And we sat here in our churches saying that we see people, but we don't really see them. God give us a vision of the harvest. The Bible said the fields are white, ready for the harvest. I begin to think about that. Three things. The harvest is plenteous. This church, will you hear me? It needs to be more on fire right now than it ever has been and even the day it started. This church needs to be more on fire than the day I became the pastor of this church. Today, if you'll hear it, is the most important day in the history of this church. Some of y'all got scared, but I'm not kidding. This is the most important day. We need a fresh vision of Him, and we need a fresh vision of the harvest. We have lost sight of the harvest. Somehow or another, our eyes have become blinded. Our hearts have become so affected by the world. How we need God to open our eyes again and refresh our vision for the harvest. I'm broken hearted. The harvest is plenteous. The harvest is precious. We're not talking about stocks and bonds. We're not talking about dollar bills and gold that can be gained or lost. We're talking about the souls of men. The most precious commodity there is. Jesus believed the souls of men were so precious that he left the splendor of the throne of glory to condescend this world, to live a sinless life and give his life a ransom for our sins that we might be saved. The harvest is precious, so precious that Jesus gave his life. The harvest is perishing. Sinners are dying and going to hell. When we hear about hell, it's just another fact or just another story to us. But hell is just as real as it's ever been. It's just as painful as it's ever been. In hell, lost men and women 
are lifting up their eyes in crossless flames, in torment of eternal hell and a lake of fire. Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, for they are white, white, already to harvest. Now we all know that a wheat field, a barley field, a field of grain, when it gets ripe, is golden in color. We know that, uh, that uh, there's a stalk that, and a husk that comes up around that a grain that's in that wheat to protect it. But the sun will begin to weather and to bleach out that husk to where it turns white. And that is where it is ripe already. It's overripe, if you will, for the harvest. And now that it's white, it's lost its protection. And a simple rainstorm can fall and knock the husk down and take out the grain. And it falls to the ground where it's lost forever. White means it's already passed, gone almost too far. Last minute action is required. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you get it? We are in the last days and we are talking to people right now, seeing them every day, that are dying and going to hell. Are you concerned? We need a fresh vision of Him and we need a fresh vision of the harvest. Thirdly, in the book of Luke, chapter 16, we need a fresh vision of hell. Sinners are dying and they are going to hell. I want you to hear me very clearly. In this church and in other churches where I have preached, when God said, you preach on hell, I have had people empty their trash bags, not throw trash bags, empty their trash bags in my truck. I have people take the bottom of their fist and beat my deck lid on my car and dent it in because they're mad that I have preached on hell. I've had people storm out right here. I had a young man storm out mad because I preached on hell. I've had one stood back here and said, I'll never hear you preach again. But if you get mad and you storm out and you throw trash at my car, it will not change the fact that there is a hell. And it will not change the fact that people that die without Jesus Christ will go there. There has been some that were drilling a hole into the earth and all of a sudden that drill began to rotate around not unearthing anything. It hit a hole in the middle of the earth. They sent a microphone down. They could hear screams, torment, torture. They jerked the mic up, scared them absolutely to death. Preacher, Dad, what did they hear? I'm not going to play it for you this morning, but it is unbelievable. And when I read this passage of Scripture, there are four cries in hell that are made right here this morning. There is, number one, a cry of misery. Look at verse 
verse 23. Here's, here's a rich man. He's got a poor man that testifies and witnesses to him every day. He's a beggar laying at his gate. Dogs lick his sores. And I want you to know that this rich man died and the poor man died. And the rich man died without Christ. And the Bible says in verse 23, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. We use the expression, when a lost man dies, that he died and went to hell. And I know what you're saying, but the truth of the matter, that's not accurate. He's not dead and in hell. He is alive. His body may be here, but his soul is alive in hell. They say, Preacher Darren, there'll be no feeling in hell. Well, this man has all five senses. You have five. You have sight. You have taste. You have hearing. You have feeling. You have smell. I've just read them to you. Preacher Darren sight, oh yes, in hell he lift up his eyes. And he seeth Abraham afar off. He can see in hell. But what is there to look at? He's not going to enjoy sin. He's not going to enjoy looking at alcohol or pornography. There's nothing scenic in hell, just torture. You can see in hell, but what is there to see? The Bible says that he could speak in hell. The Bible says in verse 24, he cried out. But no one in hell cares what you have to say. No one's there to help you. No one's really there to hear from you. There is taste. He says that his tongue is tormented in the flame. Cool my tongue. There's no refreshment. There is no anything good in that place. Feeling and touch. He said he's tormented. He's got misery, pain, anguish, torture, horror, fear surrounds him. And smell. Preacher, you don't see smell. Think about it, the smell of fire, the smell of brimstone. I had a gas water heater that exploded in my face, burnt my arms and burnt the hair and the eyebrows and the eyelashes off my face. The burning flesh, that's what he smelled, burning, and it, it was his own. And those that were around him, it is a cry of misery. It's a cry for mercy. Verse 24, Father Abraham have mercy on me. Do you know when somebody goes to hell, the door only swings one way. It's an entrance, but there is no exit. This morning you came to church, you walked in, and there are signs that says this is the exit. You have a way to walk out. Many times in life you get in, you get out, but when you get in hell, there's no getting out. Oh, preacher, my Bible says they'll stand before God. That'll be worse than hell. They'll be thrown into the lake of fire. They'll hear him say, depart from me. I never knew you. That'll be worse than hell. 
hear me. He says in verse number 26, let's skip down. Besides all this, there is a gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. The door only swings one way. No exit. It is a cry for mercy. But look with me. There is no mercy to be had. I've read my Bible very carefully. And every time I've seen someone in the Bible on earth ask for mercy, God gave it to them. You'll never see one time where he didn't extend mercy when you asked for it. Not one time. But in hell, it's too late. And there is no mercy to be had. Right down the road here at the old Beams restaurant, I'd witnessed to Miss Essie many a time. She was over 90 years old. God said, go see her. I laid in the altar of this church begging God to give me power. I got my Bible. I went down to where she was. I walked to her where she was sitting there watching TV. It was so loud I couldn't even hear it thunder. I cut her TV off. I sat down and opened my Bible and said, Miss Essie, I was weeping. I said, I've come to talk to you about your soul. She said, son, I reckon you did, didn't you? I said, Miss Essie, why don't you get saved? And I started ministering to her. And she said, son, every day I pray for mercy. I said, that's good. That's why you're 90-some years old and still alive because God's heard your prayer for mercy. But now you need to make a new prayer. You need to pray for grace that he would save you. You need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And Eddie, I'm going to tell you what she did. She grabbed me by the hand. She said, do you believe that God would forgive an old sinner woman that stood for the wrong things and done the wrong things her whole life? I said, my Bible says, come, let us reason together. Said the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And she grabbed me by the hand and began to call on Jesus. And she got gloriously saved. I want you to put your hands. I want you to clap this morning. Clap. Stop. I don't see anybody here clapping the way she did. When she got saved, this is how she clapped. Her arms swinging around and around and around. She was rejoicing. Her family walked to the door, and I thought, boy, here's your first test. She said, come here, youngins. The Lord has just saved me. Hey, just shortly, she went out and met God, and honey, she's in the abode called glory. Because a church had a vision that souls would be saved. Honey, I'm telling you, it's because of Jesus Christ. Amen. And she prayed for mercy on earth. But if she'd have went to hell, she'd have never got that mercy. It's a cry of memory. Look with me in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. Verse 28. For I have five brethren. You see that? You know what he remembered in hell? He remembered Abraham. He remembered Lazarus, that old beggar that he stepped over every day. He remembered that man's testimony, that man's witness. He remembered that man singing, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Hey, heard just as I, I'm telling you, in hell, 
Brother Seth, I think that's the number one song. Preacher, you think, yeah, absolutely. They're not singing their old honky-tonk songs. They're not remembering their party life. I'll tell you what they're remembering. They're remembering the good testimony that someone shared with them the gospel. Opportunities that Preacher Darren and Bethel Church said, would you stand to your feet and bow your heads? Come the altar. Jesus is here. He'll save you if you'd but come. And in hell, they're remembering, why didn't I take those few little steps, just a few steps, down to an old-fashioned altar? They begged me. They were praying for me. And bow my knee and call on Jesus for all of eternity. I am in hell because I would not receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. They're going to remember that. He had reason in hell. Listen to him. He says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. Send him back from the dead. Send him back. Let him go see my five brothers. I remember my five brothers. Oh, God, don't let my five brothers come here. God, send Lazarus. Resurrect him from the dead. Look with me in verse 29. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. Hey, he said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. He was reasoning in hell. He's never going to forget his reason for not receiving Christ in hell. There's a cry for a missionary. I read it to you. Send Lazarus. Verse 24. Look at it. Verse 24. Send Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is very on, on earth, but in, he's very much in paradise with Jesus. And the rich man knows it. He says, send him back from the dead. Look again. Verse 27. I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him. Verse 28. That he testify unto them. Send him. Send him. Right now in hell, there's a cry for a missionary. I was laying underneath the seventh pew in this second section right here. Tuesday night. I laid there. God working all over me. And this came to my mind. Who right now is in hell? That is remembering me and saying, God, would you send Preacher Darren to my family? That they would not come to this God-forsaken place of pain, anguish, and torment. Who is in hell right now that has said, God, awake that crowd at Bethel. Give them a fresh vision. Get them stirred up that they might go out and be a testimony to my family that they won't come to this place. They're crying out in hell right now while we sit here saying, well, it's about time for the preacher to quit so I can get on down and get me something to eat at the Burger King so I can have it my way. Honey, Burger King's closed. It's Bruce Pine. You can't have it your way no more. They're begging in hell while we sit here. And say, well, me and my four and no more, that's good enough. 
for me. I thought about this. I was washing game jerseys. We get home from a ball game. I got to wash the girls' jerseys and fold them. Then I got to wash the boys' jerseys and fold them. And I may have the game the very next day. We got to travel again. And I'm awake late at night doing it. And I was watching that dryer. And I got to thinking about hell being in the middle of the earth. And the Bible said it's a bottomless pit. Place of pain, torture, and agony. And I watched my dryer open it. And it was just tumbling, tumbling, tumbling. And this earth is spinning right now on its axis. And it's tumbling, tossing, and turning. And people are in torture and torment right now. And they're begging, begging for another opportunity. And they're never going to get it. And here you are while you're alive with opportunity. And you look at me and say, what's the big deal? I'm not lost. I have plenty of time. I'm just 11, I'm just 18, I'm just 32. Preacher Dan, I'm doing okay. I'm telling you, I believe there are people that come to this church that are going to hell. And I preach to you, and when I pray for you, and I beg it, preacher, you're making me doubt. Honey, I'm not trying to make you doubt. The Holy Ghost is trying to get you saved. And I'm going to stand before God one day. And I'm going to be accountable. I don't want anybody's blood to be on my hands. That I didn't tell you. That I didn't warn you. That's more worried my car didn't get beat in. And my reputation didn't get tarnished because you talked about me. Honey, you go ahead and talk. Oh, you want to. But I'm going to stand in this pulpit and tell you the truth. This pastor and this church, we love you. We're begging you, get saved before it's everlasting too late. Jesus is the only one who can save the sinner. And this church, your pastor, we need a vision. And if we'd get a vision of him, and we'd get a vision of the harvest, and if we'd get a vision of hell, you church, up there at Bethel, they have no vision. This pastor's begging you, oh God, would you stir some of these people? Say, oh God, I need a fresh vision. I need a clear vision, God. Help me this morning, Lord, to see what you see and to get motivated to go out. I'm telling you, there are people in hell that you know is there and they're begging you to go see their family. You stand on your feet. Oh, God, help us this morning. Oh, God, help us this morning. Oh, God. Preacher Darren, I need to be saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Is there anybody who'd slip up your hand and say, Preacher Darren, I want to be saved. Anybody? God's looking. You'll never forget this day. 
the day that the Lord dealt with your soul about being saved. Is there somebody here you may feel like preaching here? I need to go. I need to get a fresh vision. I, I don't want blood on my hands. And make that call. Make that visit. Knock on that door right now. I'm telling you, I know this. I've had somebody today come to me and talk to me about somebody they know that's lost. I'm going to call out this morning that name unto Christ. I know others that are lost. Fall this morning. As we bow in your presence, God, we're keenly aware there are people dying going to hell. Some laughing at me, ridiculing me. Their human intellect and their reasoning says there's no God. But God, the Bible teaches us. And if we'd really think about it, yes, there is a God who sent his son and crucified him upon the tree, shedding his blood for the remission of our sins. And they buried him. And on the first day of the week, he arose. And he ascended back to the Father. And Lord, he convicted my heart and saved my soul. And one day, he's coming to get me and take me home to heaven. And God, I pray you'd help me, Lord, to take ever what I meet to heaven with me. God, I do not want the blood of anyone on my hands. Help us, God, I pray. Touch this church. Refresh, renew our vision, Lord. God, I'm asking this. In Jesus' name, save souls, rekindle hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. Amen and amen.